Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I want to start a Bible study off with a simple question. Have you ever lost anything that was in plain sight? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, me too. Like your cell phone, for instance. You get in a hurry. Uh, you're starting to look for your cell phone. You're ready to go. You're trying to get out the door real fast, trying to head where you need to go. And what happens? You don't even realize you're talking on it. You're talking on to the person you're about to go see, but you're in a hurry. Didn't even realize that it was right there in your hand. Or your sunglasses. You know, you're getting in a hurry again, trying to leave, or you're in the car searching for them, looking in the glove box. Where are they at? They're stacked right there on your head. Right there in plain sight. What is the saying? If it was a snake, what? It would have bit you. <laughs> awesome. Um, let me ask you, though. Um, how many times have we either not noticed something that was in plain sight, like circumstances, issues, you know, real things that end up coming to, to a place where it puts you in a position that you have nowhere that you got to go to? You know that you have the word of God. You know that you have faith. You know about Jesus. You know about God. You know what he can do for you. You know what he can deliver you from. But yet, for some reason, we don't end up, we don't take that route. We don't look into that word. We don't take that, that the, 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 op, the opportunity or the option to be able to get into the word of God and receive what he has for us. <clears throat> you know, this, this, this has happened to me before. I have a friend that uh, used to have an addiction. You know, we didn't see it. All the signs were right there in our face, and we didn't realize it. You know, we never brought it up. We never put attention to it. We never told them this needed to be taken care of, this needed to be handled. We, we were lost, you know, not, not knowing, not wanting to really look at it, you know, thinking, just neglecting it and putting it off to the side. There's, other been, there's been other situations like, you know, a family that has, that has a bad issue in life. You know, sometimes you have a cousin or you have a brother or whatever the case may be. And you see what they're going through. You see the things that are going on in their life and you miss the signs. You don't see them when they're right, in, they're right there in plain sight. You know, you don't see them. For whatever reason, you don't see them. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. Tonight, we're going to look at Israel. The people that had what they needed, which was the word of faith, right in front of them. And like most people, you know, they refused it. Refused what? Which is salvation. Salvation by faith and not by law. If we were to break down the book of Romans, it would break down like this. Chapters 1 through 8 will deal with the principles of salvation by faith. The fundamental idea or general rule of salvation by faith. Chapters 12 through 16 deal with the practicals of salvation by faith. The actual putting it into practice. Salvation by faith. But chapters 9 through 11, they deal with Israel needing the gospel of faith and the rejection of salvation by faith. And the fact that God is not done with Israel. Here's what I think, and it's just my opinion. Uh, but what I think, given that Paul's in jail in Jerusalem, while writing this letter leads me to believe that this is why in the middle of this letter comes the change in the letter. 
the, the letter that was written to the Gentile church in Rome, given that um, he was in jail again because he was spreading the gospel, he was doing what the Lord had called him to do, trying to, trying to tell the people of Israel that, that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. It seems that it would, it would be natural that he would be hurt for the people of Israel and the fact that they rejected it. And here's why I think that, because in Romans 9, 3, it says, and this is coming from Paul. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ, for my brethren, for my countrymen, according to the flesh. Because of his love for the people through his repentance and through his change of heart, Paul would gladly be sacrificed for Israel if they would just accept that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let's do a little uh, clarifying that salvation is by faith. Now, by law, it means that we believe in Jesus Christ, death and resurrection. That we have salvation. And John 3.16 confirms this plain doctrine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That doesn't mean that law was erased. But not a means of salvation. Law is a means of correction, you know, like guardrails, if you will. Uh, to prevent you from driving off that straight road that you're on. If you're taking notes, here's what we're going to be learning tonight. In this chapter, we'll be dealing with who? Which is God and, and uh, God through Jesus Christ. The what is going to be faith. And the why is going to be salvation. Tonight, we'll be breaking this chapter into three parts. The first one is going to be God is faithful. The second is going to be our need for faith. And the third is going to be those who are without faith. Now, remembering that the point of the letter is, is that the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, Paul writes, For it is written, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Now, let's read verses 1 through 8, okay? Brethren, my heart's desire in prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they begin, they, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, but not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But the righteousness of faith, I'm sorry, I'm picking it up back up in, in verse 5. It, it writes, for Moses, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith by which we preach. In verse 1, the prayer for God, Paul's prayer to God, which is Paul praying with all his heart is for God to save Israel. How often does our heart go out for the lost? How often does our heart go out for the people that we see that are lost? For the people that don't have the peace of Jesus Christ, for the people that don't know Jesus. 
How often? Verse 2, the zeal for God, not by knowledge. A zeal meaning passion, a love, a love for God, not knowing, not by knowledge of law, but by faith. This is the complete change here. This is, this is the rejection. This is the, this is them conforming from the old to the new. This is conforming from the old covenant to the new covenant. This is the part here. This is the complete change that the chosen people and the law given by Moses were, was for salvation is no more. The old covenant is no more, but salvation by faith in Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 3. They're ignorant in, in God's righteousness. The righteousness of Christ, absolute perfection, is because of his perfection and obedience to the law and suffering the penalty in our place for what God knew we wouldn't be able to handle, what we wouldn't be able to accomplish. He bankrupt heaven, sent his son so the weight would bear on his shoulders and not ours. Verse 4, Christ. Christ is the end of law for righteousness. Sometimes we struggle with making things like Church attendance become a weekly checklist. You know, thinking, what will so-and-so think if I miss? I better show up. I better go. You know, we come to church to worship, get equipped, and to fellowship, love and encourage one another. It's the reason that we come to church. But how many understand that salvation is through Christ by faith, but we still end up making, serving the Lord, whether it's in the church or out of the church, but we make it work because we think, well, if we don't do it, who's going to, you know? So because it's forced, it becomes law. But if it comes from the heart with love and service to Christ, then we serve. It becomes like worship, it becomes worship, worship to the Almighty. Just like tithing is worship. It's worship to the Lord. It's not worship to Calvary. It's not worship to the people that are here. It's, it's worship to the Almighty for his ministry, for his, for the, for the people that he's called to do his work, to do his will. You know, we serve God the Father, not a building. We serve God the Father, not a building. Verse five, who lives, whoever lives by law will have to keep every law. Now, let me tell you, out of 10 commandments, out of 10 commandments, there are 613 laws that were found in the Old Testament. 613. I'll tell you right now, I agree with God. It's impossible to keep them all. Impossible. That's why our righteousness is in Christ. It's not in ourself. I work in, I work in a place that, that consists of customer service. Or should I say contractor service? Now, these men are gentlemen. You know, I love them. I love everybody. But I tell you what, sometimes they think that the world is owed to them when they walk in the door. I got to, you know, jump up and down, move around. And I do it because it's part of the job. I do it because I know that the Lord blessed me with that job and with that position. And so I take it. I, I take it in that fashion. I work for the Lord. I'm doing this because he has blessed me with the with the opportunity to be able to do this. But when them contractors walked in that way, you know, I have trouble just not getting mad at them. That's one. That's one. 
I don't even want to think about being perfectly keeping 613 laws. Verse 6, it reads, who will bring Christ down from heaven? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Matthew Henry, a commentary, I, I, I read it, I saw it, and this just hit spot on. He writes like this. When we speak of looking upon Christ and receiving and feeding on him, it's not Christ in the heaven, nor Christ in the deep that we mean, but Christ in the promise. Christ in the promise. Christ offered the word. Justification by faith in Christ is plain doctrine. It's plain, understandable, straightforward. You can't, there's no mistaking. Faith is through Christ. You know, God, God has always been faithful to us. You know, when we feel like God is not with us or he's not answering us or we're weathering the storm or whatever the case is and we feel like he's not with us, I can guarantee it's not because God has left us. It's not because he left us. Because we have a tendency to act in our flesh and we have the tendency to want to take control and we have the tendency to not surrender. It's always because we, we've left him. Our strength becomes our own and not Christ's strength. You know, during our hours of desperation, once we finally, once we finally see what was in plain sight and who has been there faithfully since the beginning, but because of who he is and not because of who we are, because God is faithful. God has always been there. When we finally hit rock bottom or finally finally break and, and, and are ready to surrender to the Lord, it's by grace that we're forgiven. It's by his blood that we've been washed. You know, talking about forgiveness and not seeing what the Lord had. For me, I remember the first time that I came to Calvary. I came and all the signs were there. Everything was there. The word of God. You know, the teaching, the verse by verse instruction from the word of God that that you can keep and take and apply and use in your everyday life and your storms. And everything that the Lord had for me was right here in front of me. And I left it. If it would have been a snake, it would have bit me. I didn't realize it. I didn't see it. But God don't punish we're going to endure the consequences that, that come of the decisions that we make, like me leaving and enduring all the troubles and trials that I had until I decided to come back. I can guarantee that it's not because God leaves us during our, our times of need. It's because we leave God. But God is faithful. And this is the amazing. He's faithful to forgive and to forget. I tell you, if God forgave like some of us forgive... Well, I'd have to be looking all the time and back in prayer. Lord, I know you're thinking about what I did, but I didn't mean it. I'm sorry for that. But he doesn't forgive like we do. He, he doesn't forget like we do. He forgives the only way that the Almighty can. And when he forgives, he forgets. We're washed clean. Our sin is blotted out. So we know that God is faithful. Moving on to point two, our need for the faith. We're going to pick it up in uh, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confesses is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him would not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The word of faith quoted from Deuteronomy 30, 14, saying that it has been fulfilled in Christ's salvation by faith is the message that Paul is the message that Paul preached then and the message that we're preaching now. Verse nine, confess with your mouth to confess our faith in Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 21 reads like this. Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10, uh, with the heart one believes. With all your heart, believe in Christ. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent and you'll, you'll receive salvation. You'll receive forgiveness. You'll receive, your sin too will be blotted out. The people that, that repent and you will receive salvation. Verse 11 says, whoever believes and whoever believes has the faith in Christ shall not be put to shame. Who can be saved? Let's make this a clarification point right quick of who can receive Christ. In verse 12, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Salvation is for all, no matter where you come from or how you got to where you are. No one, nowhere is too far from Jesus Christ. No Jew, no Greek. Today, we know that all can be saved. No matter what sin that we have committed, if our repentance is from our heart with faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Does that make us perfect? No. No, by no means are we perfect. But two words, progressive sanctification. With time and our walk with the Lord, we become more and more Christ-like. The gospel is not just for the people that we're most compatible with or the people that we have a lot of things in common with or the people that we see on a regular basis. You know, it's, it's, we should be sharing the faith with everyone that we encounter. Led by the Holy Spirit whenever and however that we're led, we should take advantage of that. We should be sensitive to that and, and give this, this word of faith to tell the sinner, you know what? It's okay to be a sinner. It's just not okay to continue to sin. If you have a sin, if you have a situation, if you have an issue, that's okay. It's okay. Come as you are. But it's not okay to continue to sin. Verse 13 says, whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, it says, how shall we preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Picking it up in 14, it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. 
We are forgiven. We've gained salvation. My heart is to take this privilege and honor being able to and, and to be able to spread the gospel. Give to the world what we have been freely given. The gospel of salvation by faith. Every time that we are looked at, we're living proof of Jesus Christ. It's not always that we have to say something in our actions, and our fruits, not, not only by the words, but by the fruit of our lives. You know, for every person that gets that catches fire for, for the Lord or that comes to the place where they're finally broke and they have the peace that they've gained because they've gained it through Jesus Christ. It, it, it puts a movement in you. You know, people see it. People recognize it. It's noticeable. I remember that one time I, when I was younger, um, I was at a gathering. <laughs> I was at a gathering with some friends. I was in the backyard. You know, we were sitting there talking, a bunch of young people in the backyard and in the inside and in the front yard. Can't remember what we were doing or why we were there, but we were there. All of a sudden, the back door slams open and one guy takes off running. And he's booking it. He's on fire, boy. He's gone. He don't got time to wait. He ain't got time to waste. He ain't got time to explain. He's on the move. He's going. By the time you know it, another two, three come out right behind him, heading the same direction. You start seeing this and you start moving too. You're like, what are these dudes going? Where are they going? Why are they running? And then four or five, as this starts compiling, by the time you know it, you're about six blocks down the street, looking down, done lost your breath breathing. And the first thing you say, you look at the dude next to you and say, what are you running for? He's like, I don't know. I saw the other guy running. You didn't wind it, but you caught that fire. You caught that, that what he had in him, not even realizing, but by faith, you knew that there was a reason he had to move in that direction. He had to move quick. And so you followed. For the man that accepts Jesus Christ, for the man that gets washed by blood, can you imagine when his feet catch fire and he starts moving? How does that affect the next person that's standing? If that person too catches fire and then he starts moving in the same direction, two, three, four more follow. What do you have by then? By then that you have a whole house of people that are running in the same direction with the same purpose for the same reason. That's to spread the gospel of salvation by faith to the people who don't know Christ. But again, are we perfect? Does that make us perfect? No, by no means. But we are forgiven. And forgiveness is free to all who call upon the name of Jesus. Talking about catching on fire, I have never, ever heard of a fire being turned out because it has caught something else on fire. It doesn't work that way. We're going to go to the last point in our study. Quick recap. We have covered that God is faithful. For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Romans 10.4 the second, we have covered why we need faith. For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now for point three, those who are faithless. Let's pick it up in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? 
Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to the end of earth and all their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? For Moses says, I will provoke you to a jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out a hand to a disobedient and contrary people. That's tough. You know, that, that hits my heart for the people that we know that we give the gospel to and, and, and they see and they refuse. They just flat out refuse. They don't see what's right in front of them. They don't see what's right there to be taken freely. Verse 16 says, have not all obeyed the gospel, quoting Isaiah 53.1. It says, this is the prophecy of our great father in heaven, unmatchable love for us, that he will send the savior as a man to suffer for us. This gospel that has been in the face of the world and still the world cannot see what's in plain sight. Verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. This is where we need to really shine. This is where we need to be that bright light in that dark space. How, how many false doctrines are out there? How many are pulling from every word that God put in place for us being misused, being misquoted, leading, leading a flock that, that don't know? How do we know? Because we're believers. We know, we know our faith comes by hearing the word of God, being in the word of God, and allowing the word of God to correct us, not to justify us. This means that the word, this means that the word of God is the final say. That's the final say. We read the word to get closer to God and to hear our Father. That's what we read the word for. But more than that, our hearts should be open to accept correction, to glorify God by our fruits. And not to look for ways to take scripture out of context or to see not to take it out of context so that we can continue living the way that we want. To live or only taking the parts of the Bible that we like and ignoring the other parts, the parts that correct us, the parts that make us think about the way we live. When we get into the word of God, it's to prepare us, it's to sharpen us, it's to equip us, it's to get closer to God, it's to get correction in our life. When we know that we're doing something, it's not about condemnation. It's about a conviction by the Holy Spirit that wants to keep you guided in what you're doing and the plan that he has for you and the call that he has for you and the, and the things that you're supposed to be doing to glorify him and to glorify the kingdom, to increase the kingdom. That is what we read the, the word for. That is why we sharpen our sword. Sharpen your sword because I'm going to guarantee, I'll guarantee you right now that the enemy that we go to war with, or his, his, short, his sword is sharpened. He knows the word of God. How can we fight a good fight if we're unarmed? Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, commentary from him. It says, be, be constant in attendance upon the gospel ministry and be devotedly attentive while hearing. For it is the way by which faith comes. Verse 18 says, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, the words have gone out to the end of the world. The faithless, the faithless, the faith, the faithless have been told the gospel. 19 says, but did Israel not know? 
Quoting again Deuteronomy 32.21, I would provoke you to a jealousy of those, by those who are not a nation. Because Israel refused the gospel, they were told that they would be made jealous by the Gentiles that will also have justification by faith. When he says by, by a nation, <laughs> when he says that I will provoke you by those who are not a nation, those are the, the, the people that weren't the chosen Israel people, the Jews, those are the Gentiles, the Greeks, the, everybody that, that was outside of that, that, that covenant with God. Today, though, how are we made jealous of those who are saved? Before I knew the peace of Christ, I was, I was part of the faithless. Of course, we all once were. And I was jealous of the peace believers had. When weathering a storm, seeing them encounter a situation and the peace that they have in their hearts and in their minds and in their souls, how they took it head on and, and stayed strong in it. I was jealous of that. If I hit a situation, there was a situation of stirring up in my household, whether it was with the children or with the wife or an outside member, whatever the case may be. I thought I had to jump up, grab it by the horns, take control and do what I had to do, make a decision. Wrong decision. It's my fault. Good decision. Take it humbly or sometimes boast about it. But the fact was, I didn't have that. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Stress, gray hair. That's why I cut my hair short. You can't see it. I would think, I, I, I wish I could be calm during a storm. I'm jealous of the fact that believers were happy when they would discuss the rapture. <laughs> that, that was hard for me. Has anyone seen that movie, Click? Adam Sandler, he gets a remote control, controls the world. They ain't seen it? Don't watch it. Anyways, he gets a remote and he can pause, fast forward, rewind, skip through parts of his life. When I would hear believers talk about the rapture, I, I really wish I had that remote. I'd like to jump past that part. That's, it would scare me. It would bother me. I wouldn't look at the news because I would see how fast that the world was coming to the places that it's at now. And it would, it would put me in a position where I would think, you know, well, what's going to happen? How is this going to end? What's going to happen tomorrow? What if we don't make it? Where are we going to go? How is this going to go down? But now, thanks to God Almighty, I've been washed by the blood. Jealous no more. The lost, they don't have to be lost anymore either. They don't have to be worried either. They don't have to want to skip fast forward or just ignore what's in plain sight, what's, what's right in front of them. Verse 20 that says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. 21, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is God's willingness to reach out and forgive Israel. Even after their disobedience. How loving is our God? That he gave his son Jesus so that his disobedient people can be justified by Jesus and not by themselves. Not through themselves, not through law, not by law, but by faith. God made it easier for Israel. The work. So the work wouldn't be heavy on us, on you. Jesus was crucified so that he could be 
so we could be washed by the by his blood and that the weight would carry heavy on his shoulders and not ours. You know, today, all that deny and live according to the world are doing the same thing to Christ that Israel did to him on that day. He was crucified. But here's the good news. Here's what's in everybody's face. And they don't see it. You can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can be washed. For a long time, I can remember I was given what people thought I needed and not what God had for me. I wasn't taught to understand scripture. You know, not showing me to question everything that is said about the word of God. To study the context and and with direction by the Holy Spirit. I found myself believing man instead. It was easier. Instead of gaining a relationship with Jesus through the word, I was getting a relationship with whoever said what they were saying. I never felt correction. I felt condemnation, not conviction. There's, there's a difference. You know, I was given judgment and fire, punishment. This is what you're going to get if you don't, if you continue living like this. Stop what you're doing, you know. But I was never given true, true conviction. You know, my heart now is to show the word, the word of God to correct with love and encouragement, which what I had lacked and which I see many, many people that are lost right now lack. You know, it's not meant for us to beat them down or to ridicule them, you know. Too many times I've seen that I've seen or heard about religion beating down a sinner. Too many times we're told to change, never told come as you are. Too many times I felt guilty about my sin, never once heard it's okay to be a sinner, just not to continue sinning. Never really being told about the true forgiveness by grace and the faithfulness of God. I thought I had to change first. I thought I had to take on the world first. I had to, I thought I had to take all 613 laws before I could come and be washed and, and saved and be able to know that I've gained salvation. But nope. I just have to accept Jesus Christ with all my heart and let the work be done through Christ and the Holy Spirit. The light that we need to shine for the people that don't know, for the people that don't see, the people that don't see what's right in front of them, for the person that we meet on the first time or we've met over and over and over, a family member or a friend or a person that we used to go to school with. When we see that they're going in a way that they don't see, we should put attention to it. We should give them the good news. We should give them the gospel. This is part of us being Christians. This is part of us living for God. This is part of us doing what the Lord has called us to do. And you know what? It, like I said before, you know, it doesn't always take a whole 10 or a whole chapter to be able to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Sometimes we don't even have to say anything. We were talking about it yesterday in the discipleship. A lot of times, you know, words speak louder. I mean, actions speak louder than words do. I'm going to close with this. God is faithful. The unwavering, faithful king of kings all day long, he has freely given to us what we have not seen. To us, it was hidden in plain sight for whatever circumstance, hidden by whatever sin, hidden by a knowledge that was not of the true word of God, 
but a word of man. No matter who we are or where we're at or what we're in, if we repent with all our hearts, we will gain salvation. But it comes with change. It's okay to become as a sinner. It's okay to be in sin. It's okay to not know. But once you know, progressive sanctification is the point to change in your life. That you continue moving forward for the Almighty. Continue doing what you know that you should do. Because there's correction. There's conviction. There's not condemnation in the Word of God. God Almighty wants to save you. He wants to love you. He wants to give you freely what He's given to, to a lot of people. So this is what we are to give to the people that don't know. This is what we're called to do. Our need for faith, we have the faith that, that, that has justified us, that we can continue to give to others, to those who are faithless. Our faith builds us, prepares us to love God, to love people, and to live radically. Those who are without faith, those who can also share in the peace of, from Christ. Almighty, an unwavering, unchanging, perfect love, and the gift of eternity with our great God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are so worthy of more than we could ever give you, Father. You have paid the ultimate sacrifice. God, you have bankrupt heaven for us, Lord. You've bankrupt heaven for the people that we know that are lost. You've bankrupt heaven for the people that we know that are being misguided and misleaded, Father. We thank you for the word that you give us today, Father. We ask that you give us application and use us, Lord. Use us with all our heart. Holy Spirit, lead us when it comes to the time that we need to tell somebody about you, not about us. Lead us when we have to give a testimony, Father, to glorify you, not to be boastful in what we've done. We just thank you, Father. It's a privilege. It's an honor. For you are the Almighty. You are the loving, forgiving Father. That without you, we'd be lost. So we give you all the glory. And we trust in you. We just thank you and love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.